Welcome to the Jeffers Brief, only on Contra Radio Network. Hello again, intelligentsia. John Jeffers here, the Jeffers Brief. They can only be found here on the Contra Radio Network. I want to thank you for listening in. Hope your Memorial Day weekend was everything that you, you wanted it to be. Let me think. There's so much. To, I can't even keep up with most of it. So if I don't touch on your subject, understand this. There are going to be lots of conservative talk shows, platforms, podcasts are going to be talking about that stuff. I try to go a little bit off track there, you know, a little mission creep, talk about something else entirely. I can say this, though. This whole debt ceiling thing. One, I think they should get rid of that law, period. It's not like they follow it anyway. I have yet to see one debt ceiling negotiation come out where the debt actually goes down. That's always going up. So let's quit playing the game, pull up our big boy and big girl pants, and deal with what we got to deal with. To sit there and think that for work that there are 535 con artists and grifters sitting in the Capitol building are going to do anything for anybody else other than themselves. Well, you're just naive, and you shouldn't be allowed to vote. Uh, and as far as I'm concerned, this you know, it's funny. You watch McCarthy and Biden, we got a deal, we got a deal. That is the biggest turd sandwich I've seen in a long time. And the bottom line is, do you really trust Biden? Biden's going to abide by that deal. Why wouldn't he? I would. McCarthy, on the other hand, I don't trust that guy to to go get my mail. He's He's just, this is what happens. When you have the uniparty. And let's be honest about it. Both political parties are just the flip side of the same coin. That's all they are. And they've got a lot of people snow that they're going to do something. They're going to do something. We're going to get this done. Really? Okay. You know, I, and it's like I tell a lot of people, well, they're going to arrest Hunter Biden. Really? I'll believe it when I see it. And if they do arrest him, it will be on very minor charges. He's not going to face major felonies. I'm going to tell you that now. In the meantime, you know, you've got the FBI who says we're not going to turn over stuff. Uh, And and you got a bunch of uh, leaders in the Republican Party saying, well, we wrote a letter. We demand. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. And that's all it is. Don't be fooled by it, folks. Do I know what the answer is? No, I don't. I just know that what's going on isn't working, has not worked, especially for the benefit of the American people. Now, granted, both parties, when they go to sit there, you know, they want they get their blowjob from the media, and they're all sitting there saying, well, we want this for the American people. Really? Hmm. Can you tell me who the American people are? Can you define 
who the American people are. Because it's not the people that you're working with. You know. All right. Um, for you preppers out there, you know, sometimes you get some new preppers in. Believe it or not, I know. We've been doing this show since 2014. I get it, all right? And I haven't done this for, what I want to do is, if you're a new prepper, what you're going to do is this. You're going to listen. Then you're going to bookmark the show. Then you're going to get a pencil and paper, and you're going to write down these seven tips for building an emergency food supply. I don't think it's, you know, 100%, and I, I'm just telling you, it's kind of a shell. It's kind of a way to kind of look at a pile of bricks and get an idea of how you want to build the house. Same thing here. So how much do you want to store? I mean, that's one question you need to ask yourself. Should you aim for three days worth of supplies or enough for three months? Do you want to stock up on emergencies? Depends on the kind of emergency that is most likely to strike where you live. And how long do you anticipate access being cut off from supplies? At the very least, the federal government recommends that you have basic emergency supply kit that includes enough food and water for each of your household members for at least three days. Now, I look at the, uh, I don't know, doesn't matter what I think. Other supplies on their list will include flashlight, battery-powered or hand-cranked radio, which you can get for pretty cheap, actually. It's a pretty decent piece of equipment. And basic first aid supplies. Basic first aid supplies are not what the little comes in the little blue kit that's got the red cross on it. No. There are ways to build a really good and effective... Effective first aid kit. Throwing some band-aids and some uh, bacitracin on a cut ain't going to cut it. So, you know, maybe we should do a show on that one. But you could be much more secure in a crisis if you go beyond the bare minimum of 72 hours. Once you hit that goal, move the goalpost to one or two weeks. And keep it up until you've reached your ultimate goal, which is something only you know what it is. Number uh, two, you have to prioritize water and store it safely. You know, you can live longer on water without food than you can without water. Now, the CDC recommends storing one gallon per day per person. And that recommends creating a two-week supply if possible. And don't forget to store extra water if you have pets. Okay, guys, water is heavy. It's like 2.2 pounds per gallon. Water is heavy. And if, I mean, you can do, let's, we can do the math real quick. So, however, however many people you have in your family. So you got three people. So for day, for one day, Better have three gallons. Now, how many days? You're going to do 14 days. You multiply 14 times three. That will give you 
how many gallons of water, clean, safe drinking water, you need to store. Yeah, think about it. Now, unopened, commercially bottled water is probably, not going to say it is, is probably the safest, most reliable emergency water supply. Guys and girls, listen to me carefully. There is emergency water that you can buy. It is packed for emergency situations, long-term storage. I, myself, use the uh, cans. 30 years. Time. Now, if you, you could store tap water in your own container. That means you have to sterilize your containers. And you have to be able to store, uh, sterilize the tap water, which you could do. Get the water pills, throw them in there. It kills the bacteria and all the other crap in there. Um, now, when you go to drink it, it ain't going to be that sweet, fresh, tasty water that you think you're going to get. It's going to taste a little off. But that's the price you pay. Okay? Not a big deal. But you'd understand and be prepared for it. Last thing to do is do that. And I didn't tell you, hey, the water's going to taste a little off. It ain't going to taste right. And then you're going to sit there. You're going to curse me. You're going to dump out perfectly good water. Right? Don't want to do that. I hate waste. I hate wasting food. I hate wasting water. I hate it. I do. It's just it's just my, it's just for me. You You might feel the same way. I don't know. So... The CDC is one of the best resources for understanding what to stock up on for emergencies, and it recommends. It's a great. There are many other websites out there that will give you different perspective, right, on what you should and should not stock up on and why. So if you store bought water, you got to check expiration dates and replace accordingly. Such dates are added since over time, Plastic can begin leaching into bottled water, bringing negative health effects. Replace water you store yourself every six months. Keep a bottle of unscented liquid chlorine bleach with your emergency supplies for cleaning and sanitizing and for disinfecting water. Also check expiration dates since bleach can break down over time. Do not! Use bleach with color safe or cleaning additive. Look for a label that says the product is safe for disinfecting water. And it's just, you don't need a lot of bleach to disinfect water. You just don't. If I remember offhand, I think it's a tablespoon per gallon, I, I think. It might even be less than that. I, I got to look it up now. See, even I don't always have all the answers. I don't. I do. Buy in bulk if necessary. I don't know why I have to even tell you that. If you have a large household and you want long-lasting stockpile, but what you but what you you know buy what you can in bulk. And if you're unsure what to put in your bulk shopping list, we can work with that. If you don't belong to a warehouse club, see what foods your local Walmart sells in economy sizes, such as a four-pound jar of peanut butter for about six bucks. Peanut butter is healthy it stores well 
and it tastes okay. Case in point, I usually have three butter peanut butter sandwiches a week. I do. I like it. Number four, you need to eat from your stockpile. It can get boring. So you have to go do it. So uh, you need to find foods that require sometimes will require no cooking and are nutritionally dense but are tasty. Again, peanut butter. Whole wheat crackers, consider vacuum packing to prolong the freshness. Nuts and trail mix. Cereal, individually packaged to prolong freshness. Uh, power bars, granola bars, dried fruits, canned meat such as tuna, salmon, chicken, and turkey, canned vegetables such as beans, carrots, and peas, canned soups, and chili. Sports drinks, avoid ones laden with sugar and artificial color. That's important, boys and girls. Look, I, I, I'm a big, all right, salt, uh, sugar, salt, and pepper, and powdered milk. Look, guys. Sugar, you see the little, on the on the, the label, nutrition label, say uh, a can of Pepsi or Coke or whatever, and you look at it, and it says grams of sugar. You know, it might say, you know, 46 grams. If you don't know, I'm going to tell you this. When you go to the restaurant, you see those little packets of sugar sitting on the table, that's one gram. So when you look, at say a can of Coke or a can of Pepsi and it says, you know, 46 grams of sugar. Think of having a, a can of water, 12 ounce can of water, and you tear open 46 of those little packets of sugar on the restaurant table and dump it in there. That's what you're doing. That's what you're drinking. Really bad juju, bad stuff. I stay away from it. I also, since my heart attack, and I've shared this with you, and in case you have not remembered or have not heard this before, um, a cardiologist who, did, who actually did my, surgery, my bypass surgery, a triple bypass six months ago, um, he told me, all right, he says, the American people eat too much processed canned foods. Look at the sodium level. On some of these foods that are canned, that are prepared for you. Now, they don't measure it in grams. They measure it in milligrams. The most salt you should have per day is 2,400 milligrams. That's it. Americans, on average, are at 34 to 3,600 milligrams. Way over. A hospital where I had my bypass. Well, I'm telling you. I am telling you what I was told. Whether you believe me or not, that's up to you. I had my bypass in McHenry, Illinois. Northwestern Hospital. I like that hospital. They do get this. Now, I want you to understand something here. A bypass surgery lasts anywhere from four to six hours. That's, you know, depending on what they got to do. They're doing three to four bypasses a day. A day. 
the sodium content in our food supply is so out of control, I would bet money you will see the federal government step in and say enough is enough. My friends, having had the triple bypass, here, don't believe me. Don't believe me here. There you go. See? See that nice little, yeah, that's it, all right? I don't want to do it again. So I've been very careful. I watch sodium levels. And stuff I really like macaroni and cheese, that's too much sodium. You look at the serving size versus the sodium per serving size because that's what's broken down to. If it's one cup serving and one cup of, you know, of, of a serving has 714 milligrams of sodium, Oh, by the way, I like ramen soup like the rest of you until I saw the um, sodium level. 1,164 milligrams. Ah! I had a heart attack just fucking reading the damn label. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. Look, you got to be smart, nutritionally dense. You got to be smart. You got to figure out what is good for you because when the grid down situation occurs, medical help and assistance is going to be at a premium if it's available at all. Think about that. Uh, how about seeds? You know, for sprouting. Vegetable, nut grain seeds for sprouting are a good addition for your stockpile. Because you can, you can, you can build your own micro garden. And you can grow vegetable sprouts in a mason jar if you had to. And if you go to the Vegetarian Times, they can list grains and nuts that make good sprouts and tells you how to safely make and consume sprouts, avoiding the bacteria. That's good information. Now, what you do with it's up to you, of course. I got my garden planted. I didn't wait. I didn't wait. Back in, was it early, late March? I think either late March or very early April. We had like three days. It was dry, and we were up in the 80s. We took the rototiller out there, and I hit the garden right away. Get it ready. I did. We got it, got it in early this year. Yay. And you need to stock up on longer-lasting fresh items when possible. The key to avoiding getting a triple bypass and eating sodium like you're a deer licking a salt block, uh, eat fresh whenever possible. Eat fresh fruits, vegetables. Uh, do I like my steaks and red meat? Yes. Yes, I do. Charred animal flesh is tasty. I like it. However, you know what else I really like? I like salmon. I do. I can, I can bake salmon in 10 minutes. Have it ready to go. It's wonderful. Ten minutes is a long time. It's usually three minutes per side. Yeah. And cleanup is a snap. I love it. But if you see trouble coming and you're able to buy fresh foods, I you know, we recommend items that can last for weeks or even months if stored properly, such as apples, citrus, 
winter squashes, such as acorn squash, which, by the way, is really good with butter and cinnamon. Uh, potatoes and yams. I like those. My dog likes it. Yes. Now, you may go and buy uh, canned uh, sweet potatoes. Those are the yams. Sometimes you'll see them, uh, they'll say 100% on the label. 100% say 100% uh, sweet potatoes. They're not really sweet potatoes in those cans. It's really squash. Uh, pumpkin, that's it. 100% pumpkin. The pumpkin is really squash. And you say, that can't be. That's false advertising. Ah, true. But the government, because of what they did, the lobbyists, whatever, Congress gave them an exemption. You can mark it as 100% pumpkin, even though it's squash. Number seven, rotate your food rations. So you got to make sure your stored food is safe and nutritious when you need it. Check the remaining shelf life of each item periodically. You rotate your foods near the end of their shelf life by using them in your kitchen. Then add fresh supplies to the stockpile. There, just, there you go. Six tips right there. Right there. Happy, happy. Right? Where are we? Well, it's 20 minutes. A lot longer than I wanted to go. Okay, what else we got here? Oh, here we, you know, and I was saying, McCarthy threatens to hold the FBI director in contempt over the Joe Biden documents. Yada, yada, yada. Give it a break. Now, McCarthy says he's threatening to hold FBI director Ray, should be sitting in prison anyways, in my opinion, in contempt of Congress if the Bureau does not produce a document alleging potential wrongdoing by President Joe Biden. If that happens to go that way, you can bet the FBI will, uh, we lost it. We don't know where it is. Uh, we never had it. It never existed. Uh, it's not true. Oh, yeah. So, McCarthy said Tuesday on Fox and Friends, let me tell Director Christopher Ray right here, right now, if he misses the deadline today, I, I, Kevin McCarthy, am prepared to move contempt charges in Congress against him. We have jurisdiction over this. Well, Mr. McCarthy, I would suggest strongly you get a hold of the U.S. Marshal's Office, who's ever been in charge of it now, you better make sure you have an enforcement arm to use. Now, it is true. This marshal service is under the direct auspices of the Department of Justice. If I were McCarthy, I would, uh, last week, the week before, I would have been making calls to the U.S. Marshal's office, having him come in for a sit-down with me so we can understand each other about what could happen, what might be expected. That's me. So, 
McCarthy continues. He says he can send us the documents. We have a right to look at that. Republicans and Democrats alike in that committee. And if he does not follow through with the law, we will move contempt charges against Christopher Wray and the FBI. They are not above the law. Here. Let's listen. This is so much. Meanwhile, there's something else you got to do, and that's juggle multiple issues. Mr. <laughs> Speaker, the uh, the Chairman Comer has asked you to call FBI Director Christopher Wray and get him to turn over documents linking Joe Biden to an alleged $5 million scheme thanks to a whistleblower who stepped forward and told his story in what I think is a 302, which is this story is all written down. They want to get the documentation. Christopher Wray has given the old Heisman. You tried to get him to do something. There's going to be a conversation today. What could you tell us about Christopher Ray cooperating at some point with which something he has to constitutionally do with Comer? Look, we, Comer subpoenaed the document that he's requested. We have jurisdiction over the FBI, which they seem to act like we do not. I personally called uh, Director Ray and told him he needs to send that document. Today is the deadline. So let me not just tell you, let me tell Director Christopher Ray right here, right now. If he misses the deadline today, I am prepared to move contempt charges in Congress against him. We have jurisdiction over this. He can send us that document. We have the right to look at that, Republicans and Democrats alike in that committee. And if he does not follow through with the law, we will move contempt charges against Christopher Ray and the you FBI. Know what he says, they Mr. are not Speaker, above the law. Mr. Speaker, you, but what does he say to you when you told him to do this? He came back and said, if the reports are correct, well, this is a speculative document. It's unverified, so I'm not comfortable handing it over. What, what do you say when he says that? We had, we had a conversation, and I'm part of Gang of Eight. I, I see sensitive documents all the time. I told him he could redact certain parts of that, names and others, so we wouldn't know methods, but we have a right to see it. He does not have the right to choose what he can and cannot show us. We oversee the FBI, and if he thinks differently, he will soon see a contempt charge in Congress against the director. There is enough problems in the FBI, and I am not going to sit back and allow him to ignore this. We will get this document. He has not denied that the document's not there. He knows that there's a document, and we have a responsibility to see it. Let's talk about the uh, 2024 race. We had Aisha Hutchinson. Well, there you go. All right, guys. We need to discuss. I haven't. It's been a while since I've, you know, been with Sunday. What I need you to understand is this, my friends. All right. All right. This is. This is, came out from Sundance back on August 2022, almost a full year ago. We're going to talk about Jack's Magic Coffee Shop. And lots of FBI officials work at Jack's Magic Coffee Shop. So before we get started, this is kind of involved. Let me take a break here. So enjoy some placebo, some placebo, if you will.
let's get back to it. Sebo, 20th century boy. Hope you enjoyed it. All right. Now, now we're talking from Sundance. Sundance put this out. Like I said, this is back in August. Last August. The suspicions surrounding Jack's Magic Coffee Shop are not new. Indeed, the recent whistleblower claims of data insecurity seem to align with the overall theme that U.S. government interests are more than a little deeply involved in the domestic surveillance system known as Twitter specifically and big social media general. Now, the latest data point assembly, a solid dive by Mint Press News, into the number of former FBI officials working at Twitter shows just how enmeshed the federal police are within the social media platform. The scale is, well, is really quite remarkable. Now, big picture. The number of, you, of uh, FBI officials working for Twitter indicates some strong connective tissue behind both enterprises. From Mint Press News, the FBI is generally known as a domestic security and intelligence force. However, it has recently expanded its remit into cyberspace. The FBI's investigative authority is the broadest of all federal law enforcement agencies. The about section of its website informs readers. Quote, the FBI has divided its investigations into a number of programs, such as domestic and international terrorism, foreign counterintelligence, and cybercrime, it adds. Now, how would it damage U.S. government if claims about the Chinese government having access to all user data on TikTok are shown to be identical to the U.S. government having access to all user data on Twitter? Let that question settle in for a few moments. Because that is exactly what we've been alleging since, well, 2011, when the U.S. State Department first collaborated with Twitter in a joint public private partnership to use the platform as a communication tool exploiting the Arab Spring uprising in Egypt, Libya, and beyond. The issue of Jack's Magic Coffee Shop is an issue of financial viability. The business model of Twitter just doesn't exist as a free social media discussion platform while running the ultra-expensive data processing system needed for millions of simultaneous users. A global chat that requires exponential database responses as an outcome of simultaneous users is just ridiculously expensive. However, if you will, if the computing system and massive databases are being subsidized by the U.S. government, then the viability of free coffee business model makes sense. Yes? Cloud, quote, Cloud computing is one of the core components of strategy to help the IC discover, access, and share critical information in an era of seemingly infinite data. A test scenario described by the Government Accounting Office in its June 2013 bid, protest opinions suggest the CIA sought to compare how the solutions presented by IBM and Amazon Web Services could crunch massive data sets, commonly referred to as big data. Solutions had to provide a hosted environment for applications which process vast amounts of information in parallel on large clusters, thousands of nodes. 
of uh, commodity hardware. Using a platform called MapReduce, now through MapReduce, clusters were provisioned for computation and segmentation. Test runs assumed clusters were large enough to process 100 terabytes of raw input data. Amazon's solution received superior marks from CIA procurement officials. The integration between Twitter and the United States Intelligence Community, IC, uh-huh, you with us now, you with me, has been hiding in plain sight. Now, according to Reuters, July 26 of 2021, a counterterrorism organization formed by some of the biggest U.S. tech companies, including Facebook, Microsoft, is significantly expanding the types of extremist content shared between firms in a key database aiming to crack down on material from white supremacists and far-right militias, the group told Reuters. Until now, the global internet forum to counterterrorism's database has focused on videos and images from terrorist groups on a United Nations list, and so has largely consisted of content from Islamist extremist organizations such as the Islamic State, Al-Qaeda, Taliban. Over the next few months, the group will add attacker manifestos, often shared by sympathizers after white supremacist violence and other publications and links flagged by the UN Initiative Tech Against Terrorism. It will use lists from intelligence sharing group Five Eyes, adding URLs and PDFs from more groups, including the Proud Boys, Three Percenters, and Neo-Nazis. Oh, let me see that. Proud Boys, Three Percenters, Neo-Nazis. I don't see any. I don't see anything about uh, Antifa or any of the other Marxist organizations on there. Just saying, that's what I noticed. Now, the firms, which include Twitter and Alphabet, also known as Google, YouTube, share hashes, which are unique numerical representations of original pieces of content that have been removed from their services. Other platforms use this to identify the same content on their own sites in order to review or remove it. A shared hashing protocol is a form of data system integration. The databases of the identified social media platforms appear to be integrated with U.S. Intel systems. This relationship makes U.S. government a stakeholder in the financial sustainability of the enterprises, thus a collaborative effort to subsidize the underlying data processing fits the mutual benefits scenario. Hey, Big Brother is watching you, baby. Yeah. I'm not on Facebook. I got off Facebook. Funny enough, about a month, month and a half after I got off Facebook, they sent me a check for $400. <laughs> All right, thank you. No, I'm not coming back. Not going to do it. Not going to happen. So, let's talk about Jack's Magic Coffee Shop. Continues, even to this day. Elon Musk makes election interference more visible. This came out May 26, last week. <sighs> Four days ago. Now, according to Sundance, he says, 
everything I've ever written about Jack's Magic Coffee Shop is true. Even if it takes a little longer for the more complex details about the data processing, government subsidies, and the DHS financial side of the operation to surface. Department of Homeland Security, ODNI, and FBI control elements were proven in the Twitter files before the lawyers shut down the pertinent line of inquiry. That horse has left the barn as everyone stood jaw agape. The second aspect, the financial side of the operation, remains a bit more elusive. But slowly, even the biggest tech detractors are coming around to the realization. Into this foray came the question of whether or not Musk knew about it. Now, debate has taken place. In the background, unbeknownst to the general public, the tech insiders within the Rebel Alliance have formulated a thesis about the takeover. The key part of the overlaid thesis was a timeline of sorts, showing the rise of Truth Social, the partnership therein, Rumble, contrast against the entry of Musk into the coffee shop and the official DHS position about TikTok, another competitor. Was the Musk intervention timed to coincide with a rise in strategic competition against the interest of the Department of Homeland Security? You're going to have to go back and take a look at the timeline and decide for yourself. It is certainly suspicious when contrast against the new features being advanced within the coffee shop business model. Regardless, if you overlay the recent Musk decisions and then overlay the deployed alignment of the Musk enterprise and the DeSantis presidential launch, you can, you can make a solid argument that Trillions at Stake Group, the collaboration between government, billionaire multinationals, and big tech, have a multifaceted approach to control public information in advance of the 2024 election. It's about as subtle as a brick through a window. So, you are going to hear me as I report to you from Sundance or continue to repeating this. And you might get sick of it, but always trust your instinct. We said that. If you are grounded in a truthful world, the pretending doesn't work against you. Now, May 25th, 2023, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill Thursday providing additional liability protections for public private space companies like Elon Musk, SpaceX, and Jeff Bezos, Blue Origin. Presidential hopeful DeSantis signed the bill one day after announcing his candidacy on a Twitter Spaces session hosted by Musk. DeSantis approved the bill, 13, SB 1318, Spaceflight Entity Liability, and 27 other bills Thursday. Now, the law provides liability immunity to a spaceflight entity for an injury or death of spaceflight participant or crew resulting from a spaceflight activity under certain circumstances. The bill requires space companies provide a warning statement for crew members to sign. 
So we are about to see exactly how the billionaire corporate funders control the red state operations and manufacture the illusion of choice. The difference between now and the Romney era of 2012 through the Bush era of 2016 is that the American electric are eyes wide open. We are watching the assembly in real time. And once again, that conservative treehouse, we have no financial affiliation to influence our sunlight nor here on the Contra Radio Network for that matter. Now the game might be getting back together, but truth has no agenda. It just doesn't. Truth is what it is. Now remember, the GOP elite politics is all about money, not ideology. Big difference. The ideological framework of Republican politics is a false front. Social issues are used as the illusion inside the theater, keeping the audience entertained and distracted, while the directors who create the performance take the loot out the back door. Big difference. Because you look at the Democratic elite, the Dem elite, there isn't so much about money. It's about ideological superiority. Together, what do you have? You have the Uniparty. So once you understand the real baseline of corporation-run party politics inside the USA, all the moves past and present make sense, and the aha moments just keep flooding in. The boardroom of the Democrat private corporation, the DNC, wants power. The boardroom of the Republican private corporation wants money. The Democrats use money to get power, ultimately control over the people. The Republicans use power to get money. Whatever happens to the people is irrelevant. The DNC wants fundamental change. The RNC wants to be paid and control wealth while it happens. The core issue to understand Republican politics is to look at how the people in control, the billionaires and multinational corporations, position for wealth. This is why and how the DNC can weaponize voting systems, which are outcomes, while the RNC accept it and position to be paid off while voting fraud takes place. The person with the greatest opportunity to defeat the schemes of the corporate political elite is the person you see in the mirror every day when you brush your teeth. There are more of us than them. United, we cannot be defeated. Now, there is a great MAGA insurgency taking place at the state level. There is also visible in the endorsements. However, the systems, not people, systems, which operate the business end of Republican politics at the state and federal level, are still under the control of the RNC as a private corporation. Don't look for MAGA support from the institutions until we have MAGA people in charge of them. Once you see the strings of the marionettes, you can never go back to that moment in the performance when you did not see them. While we have awakened many people to the illusion of choice, system by predicating the moves in advance, the enemy is cunning, and they know how to weaponize the feeling of desperation. We are in an, an abusive relationship with our government, and that cycle of, of abuse is truly created by the background financial institutions who control our government. You understand it. Does it make sense to you now? 
now, yesterday, Musk admits he doesn't control the platform censorship decision-making. So what you got to do, you got to watch the Twitter financials, my boys and girls, my friends. There'll be no more shadow play. We're turning the lights on. All. Now, there are two major uh, elements that are going to surface about Twitter over time. One, Department of Homeland Service government influence now evidenced in the Twitter files and two, the Twitter financial issues, which explain the recent hiring of Linda Yaccarino, which are soon to surface. Now, yesterday, Musk responded to criticism of Twitter censorship vis-a-vis government demands with this tweet. Quote, please point out where we had an actual choice and we will reverse it. End quote. The Musk supporters are saying Musk has to comply with government demands if their national laws require it. However, that angle doesn't take into consideration the choice that Musk and Twitter always have. If the platform content is not approved by a government, and that government then demands removal or censorship of that content, Twitter always has two options. One, comply with the demand and block or restrict the user content, which is the direction they have taken. Or two, stop allowing the platform to operate in the country demanding censorship, which is the latter option that everyone always avoids mentioning. However, the issue appears to be bigger and goes to the heart of the second aspect of Twitter we have noted. Twitter is not viable as a business model under the construct of its creation. Twitter operates on Amazon Web Services Cloud and Google Cloud. Ooh. Big tech monopoly systems are extremely expensive. And as a result, Musk is stuck in contracts with Amazon Web Services and Google that are major financial drains. Twitter does not operate any server infrastructure. The only asset that Twitter has on the tech engineering side is the software to operate the platform. Absent any hardware infrastructure, Musk is vulnerable to the excessive cost of Amazon Web Services and Google. So keep in mind that all cloud-based systems are arguably U.S. government subsidized and end in server forms built and owned by the U.S. government. Send something to a cloud-based system or operate your tech through a cloud system uh, base and you are essentially operating on government hardware. Now, this is background number two issue to Jack's Magic Coffee Shop. If you read that article in March of 2023, Musk was behind in his payoffs to Jeff Bezos, but up to date on his payments to Google. In essence, even the article admits Elon Musk is making payment decisions based on determinations on how best to avoid advertising revenue interruptions. Keep this in mind. As you can see, Musk is on the hook for contracts with Amazon Web Services through 2025. As written, AWS is not willing to renegotiate the five-and-a-half-year contract it signed with Twitter in 2020. That is before Musk took ownership. That contract required Twitter to pay $510 million over that period. 
It was signed when Twitter was expected to move its main timeline over to Amazon Web Services, but that never occurred. Instead, it hosts Twitter Spaces and other services, meaning that Twitter is not fully making use of the contract. So Bezos has a hook into Musk for roughly $100 million a year. Additionally, Twitter uses Google Cloud to a greater degree with its own five-year contract worth $1 billion. While Twitter is also looking to reduce its Google Cloud costs, and that puts Musk on the hook for over $200 million a year to Google, and Google controls the vast majority of advertising revenue on the, re on the web. Ah, I don't think so. Request is denied. Anyway. So, absent his own data processing system, Musk is vulnerable to AWS and Google demands for $300 million a year. That's just for them. And that's in mind. You've got to keep it in mind. This is all part of the financial section I've written about extensively and its impact on the content. With this information as the overlay, how much freedom does Musk actually have with the platform when he is dependent on Google and Amazon to operate? The same Google who controls the majority of his revenue, advertising, controls his data processing. See the problem? So on content, look at what Amazon did to Parler as an example what they could do to Twitter if Musk is not compliant. On revenue, consider how Google already has influence over the monetization of any platform on the Internet. Combined with terms and conditions for content control, they can exert through their revenue. So Amazon... That's Amazon Web Services, the CIA, and the U.S. government. Then becomes the primary control level for rules and guidelines on content. The government compliance stuff. How does it surface? Musk saying he must censor Turkish political opposition parties. Google then becomes the primary control lever for Twitter revenue. How does that surface? Musk hiring Linda Yaccarino as CEO of Twitter. Can you see it now? Do the irreconcilable start to reconcile? Does Elon Musk saying, please point out where we had an actual choice and we will reverse it, start to make sense now? Given that Musk is on the hook for $300 million a year, and that's just one expense, I suspect Musk, Musk is closer to bankruptcy than Twitter, with Twitter than most people think. The operating costs are too extreme for the business model. They always were. However, I suspect the USG was indirectly subsidizing Twitter through data processing when Jack Dorsey had ownership. Ah, the magic coffee shop. The subsidy would be part of the private-public partnership where the U.S. government was benefiting from their ability to control public information and public opinion. With the USG, that's the U.S. government, controlled via Department of Homeland Security and FBI now in the sunlight, Twitter files. The financial side has always been the second and hidden big picture element around Jack's magic coffee shop. Bottom line, Musk has to make decisions through one prism, the economics. Musk decision-making, pro-freedom or not, is constrained by his financial dependency. Hence, a lot of the platform censorship elements remain, including some personnel and now the outreach to appoint the Google WEF-approved Linda Yaccarino 
in an effort to enhance the revenue. As the end dates of the contract terms of uh, Amazon and Google start to come closer, decisions will have to be made if Musk wants a sustainable platform. Either he builds out new hardware, extremely costly and likely cost prohibitive, or he looks for an existing platform that he might be able to merge with and operate. Now, if you're a platform owner with reasonable scale and you can control your own servers and data processing, watch out for David Hacks, who's repping for Elon to tap you on the shoulder. Twitter is in a bind, or Musk needs to sink buckets of money he doesn't have into building something. The financial viability is now the primary prism, not the principles of free speech. Content side. Elon Musk needs content providers, which explains the thirst for Tucker Carlson and even the DeSantis launch to gain some operational impact. There's likely, that's likely, where this key tech advisor, David Sachs, again comes into play. On type of content, that's where Lena Yaccarino steps in with the Google left bridge to approve content revenue. <coughs> All right. Now, what might be interesting, this might, all right, this is me playing it out here, boys and girls. Uh, shout out to Karen Mack for bringing this up. After, I, I thought about it. She just put it out there before I did. Uh, Gab.com. It's supposed to be fully independent, Gab is. If that's true, now I'm wondering if Musk is going to tap uh, what's his face? The Tabor there at Gab and hey, come on. That's just what I'm thinking. All right. All right. Hope you enjoyed this issue of the Jeffers Brief. All right. We'll talk to you again next week when I can possibly get in it again. All right. Until next time. Have a good one. Be safe. Be alert. Be vigilant. Be prepared.